Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it is my great pleasure to welcome Nadia Rashid to the show. Welcome, Nadia. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Nadia is the Vice President of Enterprise and Mid-Market Sales at Seismic, and Seismic is a sales enablement platform that helps sales and marketing teams drive revenue. Our topic for today will actually be adjustments that we all have to make to sell through the pandemic, and we'll cover pretty broad ground. As I do with all guests, Nadia, I'm going to ask you first to share one of your favorite sales books of all time or learning resources and maybe one or two of the tips you got out of that. I would say like the core ones that you really think of, everything from challenger sale. I'm a big fan of fanatical prospecting. I think prospecting is the core of ensuring that reps are successful, right? So, you know, they give a lot of good tips and strategies in terms of developing your pipeline. It's really big to have all of my sales reps to have four or five X pipeline, right? And not waiting on their inside resources or their BDR resources to help them. So fanatical prospecting gives you various techniques on how to go high and wide and to really penetrate these accounts. And I think the way that they do it is much more progressive than maybe some of these old school methodologies. As we delve into the main topic around these adjustments that that we all need to make to survive, I don't even want to use the word thrive in the pandemic because I think uh, you know surviving in sales right now is is probably more the the first order. I wonder if we could just spend a minute thinking about scenarios that sort of happen when there are deep recessions. As you've reflected and experienced past recessions, which segments tend to hold up better than others? I would say. Of course, those larger enterprise and global companies, right, tend to do better because they usually have money on the books, which is easier. They have revenue streams and they've diversified their product offering many times. It's not across all industries and verticals, right? You have certain industries that are definitely struggling now, whereas others are even during this pandemic doing well. And so for me, what I've noticed is a lot of that small business, so that SMB segment, because essentially, you know, they don't have a lot of money. Some of them rely on funding and essentially they have to look at, and I think all companies have to look at it during this time. Like what are the essential, you know, tools, platforms we need? Where can we cut spending? Those are the ones that are going to definitely struggle during this time. And I think the other ones have a better, better plan or revenue forecast in play to help them. It is so important for sellers to position their solutions as a, a need to have versus a nice to have. So how do you position your product as a need to have rather than a nice to have? It's interesting because as this pandemic was spreading, right, I would get these emails from sales reps and SDRs saying our solution is a need to have during this. And it was a solution that had no value add to what's going on, right? So I think you really have to think about what industry are you in? Who are you selling to? And not just try to spin it to where you're positioning it as a need to have, because honestly, there are some solutions that are not a need to have, right? And I think as people are reaching out, 
whoever, whatever company it is, it actually leaves something in my mind. Like XYZ is selling gifts, for example, to like sales prospects. Is that top of mind for me right now? Probably not, right? We're trying to look at budgets. We're looking at spending. And to think that that's a necessity for us to do our job in this new normal, it isn't. But I also look at the company and I think to myself, huh, like when this does all pass, do I really want to have that engagement with that customer? Because they're so insensitive to what maybe companies or myself may be going through during this time. So that's the first thing. But I think now if you really do have a solution or a platform that is definitely a need to have during this time, I think being able to articulate that value at the right level is very important. And so, you know, we're grateful to be at Seismic where we actually help sales and marketers in the remote environment, right? So our tool certainly can help you do your sales and and drive all of what you need to do. And so we are at an advantage because of that. But I would say that, you know, you just have to really think about what is it specifically that you're selling? And is there a segment of the market that essentially has to have that product And then you need to go after that. And one of the pieces of information or guidance I've given my team is let's look at your named target account list, right? You know, three months ago, we were focused on what I would say a priority and maybe it was a fast growing tech company. And now things have changed and we need to go back and reassess that list and reprioritize. So look at the ones that are actually booming. So there are certain industries, you know, health and life sciences, medical devices, a lot of packaging companies that are actually booming right now. How can we help them do better? And then there are other companies that are having a furlough. Their numbers aren't going down or they've done this huge layoff and the board is still asking them to go and continue to drive growth and and numbers. So how do we make a sales team even more efficient with less heads, right? So there's a lot of that at play. And I think that reps just need to be mindful of, you know, what space are they in? Who are they selling to? Can they actually pivot and sell to a new group of customers or, you know, a segment of your named account list? I was speaking with a rep who works for a large enterprise software company. He sells in a country where there was an order to cease hotel operations. And this individual sells into the hotel and hospitality industry. For people who are selling into segments like that, what can you do to keep them engaged and motivated? I think the first thing is to have the salesperson focus on what they can and figure out, are there like bite-sized offerings that may add value during a downturn? And I think there's a lot of creative things that as companies, we should look at, you know, are there things that we can do to get creative, whether that's, you know, backload payments, whether it's putting something out there that may get them a a quick start and giving access or some quick wins to them, right? We're in it for a long-term partnership. So if there's anything there in their suite of products that could add value now, and as a company, we can get creative on payments and stuff like that, knowing that spending is halted in those industries. I think that those are things that we need to certainly consider. The CFO is probably touching almost every deal. Right. Oftentimes, there might have been a threshold where, where certain leaders had budget authority, you know, over signing new deals of a certain size. When the belt gets tightened, the CFO or the finance department, depending on how big the company is, is going to look at at every deal. What adjustments, if any, have you made to educate your sellers on engaging CFOs? Yeah, I think that right. I keep going back to let's make sure that we're being sympathetic, right? Like we're in business. We know that we need to continue to drive sales. 
but also let's figure out what is your pain point. I have some people that projects have been budgeted and they need to get the money off their books. Or then on the other hand, and this is actually a lot more common, you know, I see the value, for example, in Seismic, but right now we're strapped for cash. We're having to cut resources. We're having to cut budgets. We're having to do that. We see the value. We know that you can actually help us during this downturn. And so for us, we want to be that strategic long-term partner. So what we're having to do is if the CFO you know, needs to backload things, for example, to next fiscal or get creative around a payment schedule, we want to make sure that we're extending that to them and making sure that it makes sense right, for both of our businesses. And I think that's one of the things there. It's also really critical during this time that the CFOs understand the value, right? So like, what is the TCO? What is the value that I'm going to get on this investment? And so a solid business case to really have them understand that right now is pretty critical because again, they're looking at how to just cut everything, but they're also laser focused on, you know, we still need to drive revenue to stay afloat in many situations. So I think having a tight business case and being super creative around what those needs are and those finance terms, I think that it certainly helps some companies. Yeah. It's it's interesting that in most cases, sellers are trained on how to pitch growth and productivity as the front running part of the value proposition. And right now, it's almost as if positioning as cost savings, which is something that is much harder, I think, for salespeople to do, maybe the kind of more effective way to get to the mind and heart of the CFO. What sort of messaging might you use in order to potentially even position like the investment in sales enablement as a mechanism for cost savings? If they're looking to cut certain platforms, you know, we're able to consolidate a lot of that and just have it within one unified system that does multiple things for both sales and marketing. And so a lot of those conversations are great to have with the CFO because he's looking to cut and condense, which is good. And so I think that certainly resonates to CFOs during this time. What else have you seen as, you know, radical changes that require adaptation? I would say the biggest challenge, right, is it comes to salespeople and the people that you're leading and how to keep them back to your point about being motivated. And the example you had about the young man who's selling into the hospitality industry, into hotels specifically, like what I tell my reps, because I think a lot of it is in terms of like what's in your head and what you can control, what you can't control. And I love that I have several AEs on my teams that are actually working on getting better in their roles, right? Meaning, okay, this will eventually pass at some point, but the way that I'm going to stay motivated is I'm going to refine my messaging. I'm going to continue to invest in myself. And whether that's, you know, better at doing my own demos or in the sales process, whatever it may be, I think that's the first step, right? Because the salespeople are on the front lines, they have it the most challenging. And so I think if you have your team super motivated and maybe it's just like you're doing some self-improvement stuff while then refining your messaging and doing all that, it helps in the entire process. I think some other things that we've had to adjust though, when I think about sales cycles and all of that is... For enterprise sales specifically, we are so used to doing things face-to-face. And although video is great and Zoom and all these technologies have certainly allowed us to continue to do our jobs, I think the biggest change is the way that we communicate, right? And I think it's very simple to think, yeah, I'm a great communicator. I do it all the time. But there are so many unknowns of like, 
body language and how maybe the tone of your voice and how you're saying things and not being able to read the room, that that's been a pretty big adjustment for reps that I've been on calls with. And many times you're getting off calls. And as we're doing the debriefs, we're like, I don't know how that went. And they're more so in their head because they're concerned about not being able to read the room or get immediate feedback as you know, you're, you're wrapping the meeting up and going around the room and, and gathering that. So I think that the whole communication aspect is one that maybe we've taken for granted. And it's interesting because I have, you know, these mid-market teams that are used to doing it, even like in my past where we've done more transactional uh, sales, they're actually really good at that. So I've actually had some of my enterprise reps reaching out to folks on my mid-market team to hone in on what are some things that you can do around the communication that will help you sell in a virtual market. Oh, well, I've got to ask that. What are a few of those tips and adjustments that the enterprise sellers in particular need to make that they can learn from those mid-market reps? Yeah, I think that it has to do with the dialogue, right? And the debrief. And not to say that, you know, all sellers don't do that. I think it's easier to get a sense. And when you're in the room with someone to get that feedback immediately, or as they're walking you to the elevator or, you know, just as you're wrapping up your session. And so I think that now sellers that are you know, used to having that face-to-face connection, that they're still having these interactions, but they're carving that time out, but ensuring that it's a good use of both people's time. So it's not just, I want to check in to see how everything went, but it's, I want to deliver this to you, talk about X, Y, and Z, but at the same time, I'd love to spend some time debriefing and, and getting that feedback. I also think for them, there's been some challenges on how to continue to develop a relationship because a relationship is so big in that segment. And so what are some tips and tricks that you can actually do to have that relationship or start to develop that relationship? And I would say a lot of it is being on camera, right? That has a lot to do with it. One of my frontline leaders, Mike McDonough, he's great at really disarming people and getting to know people on an authentic level. And so for some of my sellers, regardless of teams that are struggling on how do I develop that relationship in a, in a remote environment, I'll often say, reach out to him. He does it phenomenally well over the phone and really gets into people's lives and information and does it in such a caring way. A lot of those small things that people may not have been as cognizant of in the past, it's even more critical now. I have noticed, I'm, I wonder if you're seeing this the same as in the last month, I think I've received more people prospecting me than I can ever remember in a, in a month or two long period. Are you also seeing a huge surge? I am. Yeah. I think everyone's like, look, we still have to survive as a company. Now, I think the biggest thing is we're now working remote. And I think there's a lot more emphasis and even inspection right from a leadership level. So if you have reps that are remote where they used to be in the office, you know, I think you're looking now at what are they actually doing? Like, I want to make sure my teams are productive and all of that. Not to say that people aren't when they're in the office, but I think there is more focus on you know, I want to keep my job. I want to make sure that my numbers are, are there. And because we have more added time, essentially, I think that if a rep, for example, is able to do five more calls or five more emails, we're now seeing that. And so there's certainly been an influx of, of reps reaching out, but I think it's good, right? I think it's a time that we should be helping our fellow salespeople. And if there's something there, like I forwarded on an email to one of my peer group folks, because I thought it was something in that specific industry that they would need. And so um, I think it is a good time to almost look at everything. You certainly can't take all of these calls because you're trying to manage your day job, 
motivate people. It's a great time to actually take interviews from people because a lot of people have been furloughed or laid off and there's some really good talent out there. So you're trying to do all of these things, but to your question, there's been an influx for sure. You just hit it. I think another adjustment that people are needing to make, which is until this happened, you know, you were able to have those one-on-one meetings and you're able to just walk by and ask questions and check in on things. What adjustments have you made and had to train your first line sales managers on as they now are managing a completely remote workforce? You know, my leaders have done a phenomenal job as it relates to that. I have both of them are really great communicators. What I've pushed my team to do is make sure you're still doing your team meetings, make sure that, you know, you're still honing in on the things that are important. We know that, you know, in a lot of these office situations, you can easily walk by someone's desk. But in my situation, um, you know, I'm working remote. I actually get a lot more work done because I'm not in an office environment where someone's constantly coming over. But I always tell people it's the same thing besides you walking over. It's a Slack. It's a, you know, text message. It's a phone call. Like, let's not change that. And I will actually get have pause if there are reps that aren't doing that because it shows that either they're not working or there are questions they have and they're just not raising their hand. And I think that's when it falls on the frontline leader to make sure that they're being productive and they're proactive in their, their outreach. Once everything started to happen, I started to do skip levels. And so I wanted to hear directly from the reps, like what's working, how do you feel, where can we help you during this time? And so I got to hear a lot of that, right? And I think it's the culture that you have at your company. And I think most great companies do this where it's like open lines of communication. There's no hierarchy, reach out to anyone when you need help. You know, the whole team aspect, that feeling of you're a part of a team, you have someone that's in a similar situation. You know, I was talking to an enterprise rep this morning and she's like, you know, typically my outbound C-level messages resonate and I get responses. And so just to know that she'll fire up a Zoom and get on with some of her peers, whether they're on the East Coast, West Coast, not even on my team, and just figure out what's working, what isn't working, great. It's good to know nothing's working at this point. You know, that that's helpful. I know for us, we've done a lot of happy hours and things of that nature. We just did one with our West Coast about a week ago where um, it was about seven or eight people, a few people from my side, a few people from their side. And we just got on there. And to be honest, you know, we caught up on life. We caught up on what was working, how work is going. And you got different perspectives. And a lot of it was just, you know, no structure or any of that. But it really helps people understand that for sure. We talked about a ton of adjustments. Are there any other major ones I failed to ask you or do we do a pretty good job? A couple of things that we're really focused on here is really show your current customer base a lot of love. Just because you have the contract or there's not any upsell value currently, I think this is a time, reach out to your customers, see how they're doing, how we can help. It's not all about the sale, right? So make sure that they're good because a lot of industries and a lot of companies are struggling. And so just the simple reach out means a lot to these companies. And when this passes, these companies remember that. So I would say that that's a big one. The second one is, I think this is a a pivotal time to make sure that you're getting referrals from either your, maybe it's your customer base or a recent account that you sold. A lot of like-minded people or people in a specific role at a company, they usually have a peer network that they're a part of. And I think that if you have shown that you're a good long-term partner and you've added value and, you know, there's, a good level of relationship there. I think it's a perfect time to ask, is there someone, you know, maybe in your peer group that may also see the need for something 
you know, like Seismic or whatever platform you're selling. And I would say those two things have certainly helped us with some small wins over the last couple of weeks. Even on the latter one, it's a little bit of a cliche saying that someone told me, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, your network is your net worth. Even to just take this time and build relationships with your own peers, whether or not it's product related to share best practices and keep your nose to the grindstone of what's working, what's not working, what's what opportunities are available. I think this is an incredible time to invest in that side of, of your network. Yeah, for sure. Well, Nadia, it was incredible talking to you. If people want to learn more about Seismic or get in touch with you, what are the best ways to do that? You know, seismic.com. Um, also on LinkedIn, it's Nadia Rashid, R-A-S-H-I-D. Or they can just shoot me an email at nrashid at seismic.com. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. Peter Lepinto is our editor. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey, Salespeople podcast.